Chapter 9, Horse's Ass or Diplomat. I am a triple A personality. I'm not passive. I'm very determined. And when I have a goal, I go after it. And I will not quit until I achieve it. In the past, I was perfectly capable of tearing someone a new one if they crossed me the wrong way. However, I've learned through the process of continuous improvement how to temper myself in the most trying situations. It is important that as humans, we are continually reflective. The Japanese word for this is hansei, which means to reflect on actions and improve them over and over again. With my strong leadership tendencies, it was important to embrace this philosophy, lest I become bound to always getting my way and hence never learn or improve. What follows is an epic story of self-control and continuous improvement. In it, I achieved an extremely favorable outcome in the most unfavorable circumstances, largely because of my determination to reinvent myself and not settle for business as usual. In the past, I typically didn't concern myself with other people's approval, but this time I could see clearly that if I ignored public opinion, it wouldn't matter how right I was, I would lose this epic battle. In my wildest imaginations, I could have never written a story with more twists and turns and drama. The plot unfolds around a month-long trip my wife Leanne and I took to Chile, Argentina, Easter Island, Brazil, and Patagonia. It was a trip we had been looking forward to for a long time. Both of us are very busy executives in our company, FastCap. She gets to work at 6 a.m. every day, and if she's lucky, she leaves by 7 p.m. For nine months of the year, I travel, speak, and consult all over the globe. So whenever we get time to be together, it is a special and important time. For this trip, Leanne did most of the planning. She organized the trip through a tour company called Overseas Adventure Travel, or OAT. It was our second major trip with OAT. In 2015, we took a fantastic one-month trip with OAT to Southeast Asia. We were so happy with our experience that we had already booked an additional one-month trip to Australia and New Zealand in 2017 and were in the planning stages of an additional trip to Antarctica during the same time period. We were still friends with the group leaders and new friends we had made on that trip. In Southeast Asia, I produced 13 videos documenting the trip, which had thousands of views and preserved many wonderful memories for our entire group. They also proved to be great marketing tools for OAT. After seeing them, our good friend Dana wanted to join us on the trip to South America, as did a new couple, Morgan and Lisa Lohman, who had never traveled outside the United States before. They saw the videos and wanted in on the adventure. Everyone was expecting to have a great trip. Prior to our departure, Leanne corresponded several times with our group leader, Graciela, to make sure we had everything we needed for the adventure. Their communication was cordial and non-eventful, but the calm was misleading. Yvonne Cunard, the founder of Patagonia, said that real adventure starts when everything goes wrong. Not only was everything about ready to go wrong, but the was going to hit the fan and I would be tested for intelligence and political sagacity. On the first leg of our trip, Leanne and I flew into Santiago, Chile, where we met up with the rest of our group. We really did not know what to expect, 
Though we had traveled extensively throughout Mexico, Central America, Cuba, the Caribbean, and we loved the Spanish and Latin cultures. South America was a continent we definitely wanted to discover with its rich diversity of cultures and European influence. One thing for sure, our expectations were high and we were looking forward to seeing new places, especially the enchanting region of Patagonia. At the airport in Santiago, we met our local guide, Paul. Paul was warm, friendly, and outgoing. Everything we had come to experience with the other guides we had had in Southeast Asia. But we both thought it was odd that Graciela did not meet us herself. Normally, the primary trip leader would meet us at the airport because she would be in charge throughout the duration of the trip. It was not a big deal, but it was a little strange. When we first met Graciela at the hotel, she didn't seem as warm as we expected. She asked us how our flight was, and my wife exclaimed, It was awesome! Graciela looked at her with no expression and uttered, Oh, as if to say, Aren't you a strange bird? Who says awesome after spending 16 hours on a plane? My first thought was maybe she was not a happy person, but I quickly put this aside and allowed her to continue her lackluster orientation. For whatever reason, Graciela just didn't seem excited about the huge adventure we were all about to embark on. Unfortunately, her attitude went downhill from there. We got our room keys and went upstairs. To our surprise, the room had three single beds in a very small and crowded space. Unhappy with the three-star accommodations, I picked up the phone and asked the desk manager if they had a room with one queen bed instead. He said no, and that this was all they could give us. Again, we were surprised at how the trip was starting. OAT is not a cheap outfit, and it usually provided us at least four-star accommodations, unless we were staying in some very remote location. Santiago, Chile is not remote at all. I knew Graciela was still down in the lobby, so I asked the desk manager if he would put her on the phone. I explained my concern to her, and she snapped at me and told me that having single beds was the standard. I was shocked. I was the customer and she was telling me I was wrong and didn't want to help? I explained that we never had this kind of accommodations on our previous trip with OAT. And she again barked at me and said I was wrong. I told her I didn't think she was listening to me and that I hadn't come on a one-month-long vacation with my wife to sleep in a separate bed. She retorted that I wasn't listening to her. At that moment, I knew I was going to lose this battle and that I needed to back off and get away from a very tense situation. I pulled the phone away from my ear and lowered it very slowly to the cradle without saying a word. Graciela's hostility was palpable, and I felt I needed to back away or something bad was going to happen. A few minutes later, the phone rang, and she asked me to come down to have a meeting with her in 15 minutes. No problem, I told her. I would be on time. Before I made it downstairs, my wife went to the lobby. Graciela came up to her and told her she would not be disrespected. Leanne explained, we weren't disrespecting her. We simply requested a bed together. Graciela told her the queen and king beds were for the single customers and couples were only given a bed together if they requested it beforehand. Leanne replied that when we traveled with OAT before, we never had to do that. 
Graciela stuck to her guns and said that was how it worked. When I arrived soon thereafter, Graciela held out her hand and said, Hello, I'm Graciela. Let's start over. Her tone was gruff and authoritative. I held out my hand and shook hers and said, Okay. She explained to me that if we were going to be together, I needed to give her respect. I said in a very quiet and respectful voice, Respect is something that's earned. Apparently, that wasn't what Graciela wanted to hear. She began to insult me again and call me a machine in a very low, demeaning fashion. It was an odd comment, but I guess she said it because I was so measured and showed no emotion. I knew being emotional would do nothing but exacerbate the situation. Graciela was charged and looking for a fight, and I was running as fast as I could. Believe me, avoiding confrontation is not in my nature. My willingness to not fight with her came from continuous improvement I've implemented in order to make myself more agreeable in group settings. I am a strong leader, and I'm fully aware that sometimes you have to be willing to follow and not always lead. The conversation with Graciela was going to go nowhere, so I quietly walked away. We did not speak to each other for the rest of the day. The next morning, Graciela confronted me again at breakfast. I was minding my own business, eating and talking with my friends and my wife, when she cornered me, demanding my respect. Up to this point, I had attended every meeting, outing into the city, always been attentive, and never doing anything to distract from the group. I minded my own business and tried to steer clear of Graciela's hostile demeanor. Nonetheless, she was relentless, and I again walked away without saying a word. There was no way you could have a conversation with her. She was hostile from start to finish. Her agenda was clear. She wanted me to grovel and say I was wrong, when all I had done was ask for a queen bed. In my mind, this was a very minimal standard for a trip that cost thousands of dollars. The last thing that would be appropriate in this situation would be to apologize for expecting something so basic. The next day, she confronted me and demanded I leave the trip right before we were ready to go to Easter Island. I told her I was not prepared to do that. She got in my face, but I did not respond to her. I was not about to allow this woman to destroy a very special vacation that my wife and I had been looking forward to for over a year. We all boarded the bus and headed to the airport. When we arrived to check in, Graciela did not have a ticket for me. She had already canceled it, thinking I would back out. When she saw that I did not, she had to scramble to secure a ticket for me so I could get on the plane with the rest of the group. Despite her antics, I never said a word to her or showed any disapproval in any way at all. When we got to Easter Island, we had about three hours before our next scheduled event, so Morgan and I decided to rent a scooter and a four-wheeler to go exploring. When it was time for the bus to leave, we asked Graciela if we could follow the bus to our next outing, and she seemed to have no objection. When it was time to go, we pulled in behind the bus on our scooter and four-wheeler and prepared to follow it. To our astonishment, the bus pulled out and sped away from us at over 60 miles an hour on a dirt road. We took off in hot pursuit, like policemen on a high-speed chase. At first, we managed to keep up, although barely. I ride motorcycles at a very high level, and it was everything I could do to keep up with the bus. 
which was going around corners at speeds that seemed totally unsafe. Eventually, though, we had to give up. Morgan fell behind first. His scooter was too slow. My quad was faster, but even when maxed out, it could not stay up with the bus, which was flying. We admitted defeat and slowed down. When we got to the town where we were scheduled to visit, Morgan and I crisscrossed up and down the road looking for the group, but to no avail. We never found it. Later on in the afternoon, we reconnected with everyone back at the hotel. I asked my wife what happened, and she said the group couldn't figure out what was going on. The bus was driving so fast that the women were squealing as it went around the corners. The only thing I could figure is that Graciela told the bus driver to lose us, so he drove at ridiculous speeds to do it. The irony of the story is that she had told us that we were visiting a quiet little island where everyone moved at a very slow speed and we needed to tone down all of our expectations because things happened very slowly. The trip only got stranger from there. The next thing you know, Graciela was barking at Leanne for being a few minutes late to the bus, along with two other people. Graciela waved her finger in my wife's face and said, if we were ever late again, she would leave without us. Leanne apologized over and over, but Graciela wouldn't stop. She continued to reprimand her in front of everyone until she started crying. Other passengers tried to console Leanne by saying they thought Graciela was out of line and they were sorry she was being so mean. It was clear that Graciela was taking out her disapproval of me on my wife. Other people were often late and were never scolded. In fact, Graciela herself was late and held the rest of the group up and no one paid any attention to it. That's just part of traveling with the group. My wife's tardiness was inconsequential compared to other people's, yet she received a scolding that was completely uncalled for. We were beginning to wonder whether this trip was a good idea or not. Surprisingly, the rest of the three days on Easter Island were relatively uneventful. I was able to steer clear of Graciela and not have any incidents. We had a fantastic time, but she was clearly not the friendly leader we had expected. She had very little energy and was not excited about anything unlike the rest of us. The experience that we had on Easter Island was epic, and I was having a great time documenting the entire trip. I was committed to having the trip of a lifetime, and that's exactly what I was doing with the exception of dealing with Graciela and her abrupt and unfriendly disposition. We flew back to Santiago to stay one night before we went to Buenos Aires to meet up with the rest of the main trip travelers. While we were away, OAT had evidently decided that the first hotel was substandard that we stayed at in Santiago, and it changed to a new one. It was just blocks from the previous hotel and much better. We all commented that if we had just stayed at this new hotel in the first place, there would not have been any problem at all. The next morning, our group flew to Buenos Aires for a few days before going on to our next location, the region of Patagonia. In Buenos Aires, we went to a tango bar and had a fantastic meal while enjoying a great dance show. During the entire time, Graciela stayed away from the group. My wife thought she saw Graciela in the very back of the room making phone calls during the show, but thought nothing of it. Afterwards, we all got back on the bus and she asked us how we liked it. We all said it was wonderful. Then Graciela made a very odd comment. She said with great gusto, I am so happy. 
We thought it was strange because up to that moment, she was not happy about anything. We got back to the hotel room around midnight. Leanne went to check in for the flight the next morning to Bariloche. She became alarmed when she noticed the flight that was supposed to take us to Seattle three weeks later had been rescheduled and we were now booked to fly home to the United States the next morning. We couldn't believe it. Leanne spent the next four hours on the phone and working with the airlines to see what had transpired. I also sent emails to OAT in the United States saying we had a very serious problem and we needed their assistance. We received no response. When we called the airlines, they told us they changed our tickets because we had called and changed it. My wife informed them we did not call and change anything. This seems strange. We called OAT again and they replied that yes, they had spoken to Leanne earlier in the day and she had changed the ticket. My wife told the agent that she had never talked to OAT or the airline. At that point, the agent on the line began to put everything together and realized that Graciela had called and impersonated my wife using our passport numbers to change all the airline tickets. All of a sudden, the OAT agent on the phone was doing some serious backpedaling. She promised they would call us back, but never did. OAT wasn't taking responsibility for anything. The agent knew Graciela had committed fraud by impersonating my wife. The one upside was we now had some clue about what Graciela was up to. So the next morning, rather than being completely caught off guard, we were prepared for something crazy to happen. Needless to say, we only slept about an hour that night. By the time we sorted through everything that had transpired, it was about five in the morning and we had to wake up at six to leave. As we got ready to leave the hotel for the airport, Graciela walked up to me with a large envelope and said, Paul, you're no longer on the trip. You and your wife are going home. She handed me what appeared to be an airline ticket in a large white envelope. I quietly told her I was not going anywhere that this was my vacation and I was staying on the trip. I refused the tickets and walked away. Graciela insisted and said we were no longer on the trip. I began to walk towards the bus as all the other people on the tour looked on in total shock. Two people from the OAT office in Buenos Aires were there to support Graciela and her devious plan. Now we knew why Graciela was so happy the night before. She had spent the evening lying, distorting, and conniving with the OAT management to throw us off the trip. I couldn't believe it. This all happened because we wanted a queen bed together. I went to the bus and tried to get on, but two or three men and a woman from the Argentina office blocked our path. I was quiet and did not push. I did nothing but stand there trying to get on the bus as they let everyone besides Leanne and me get on the bus. The whole situation was surreal. It was hard to believe what was happening. It was the craziest thing I've ever heard of. As the other passengers boarded the bus, they told the OAT managers they were making a huge mistake and they didn't have the facts and didn't know what had been going on. When the bus was loaded, the door shut, and my wife and I were left standing on the streets of Buenos Aires watching the bus drive away without us. Leanne was in tears. When I looked at her, I thought, oh my gosh, this cannot be happening. I cannot let this happen to her. 
About 60 seconds later, we came to our senses and quickly hailed a cab as we drove away. The OAT employees chased our cab and yelled, asking, where are you going? We told her, she kicked us off the trip. So what business of hers was it? We decided to at least go to the airport and try to get on the flight to Bariloche. We thought we could salvage the trip by renting a car in Patagonia. We knew the agenda so we could at least go and visit the same places, even if we were not with the group. Leanne had been able to get us checked in the night before on the flights from Buenos Aires to Bariloche. Oat had canceled our main flight home, but hadn't touched our in-country flight, so we thought we would be able to get on the plane. We got into the same line as our tour group, but when Graciela saw us, she went up to the counter and spoke to the agent. When we got up to the check-in desk with our bags, the agent said we had been removed from the flight and had no tickets for us. We both showed them our phones that had our check-in information and boarding passes, but they said we were not in the system. Somehow, Graciela was able to get our tickets canceled. How she had the power to get the airlines to do this was staggering. She spoke in Spanish, so we didn't know what she was saying. The whole group was watching all this take place and confused at how she could treat a customer this way. When we realized everyone was in cahoots with Graciela, we quickly grabbed our bags and went to another counter, where Leanne was able to find someone to help her. At the next counter, the LAN airline agent was mystified at how we could have been removed from our flight. Thankfully, he was not a part of Graciela's maniacal scheme, so he simply reissued the ticket and put us back on the flight. While Leanne was working with the new ticket agent, I was on the phone with the OAT top agent, Elizabeth, pleading with her to help us. She would have none of it. She completely agreed with Graciela and was not interested in hearing my side of the story. She said the decision had been made and we were removed from the trip. I explained that they didn't even do their due diligence. They didn't ask anyone else on the trip, nor did they call the guides that we had worked with in Southeast Asia. I asked them to ask somebody for the facts, but she refused. I repeated over and over in a very calm tone, that OAT was making a massive mistake, but she insisted we were off the trip. Regardless, we proceeded to the gate with our newly issued tickets and we took our place in line. Graciela saw us coming and went over to the gate agent, speaking in Spanish to them for a while. When the agent scanned our ticket, they pulled us aside and said there was a problem with them. We asked what was wrong, but they ignored us. We asked for a manager and they ignored us again. Soon, everyone had boarded, and we were left standing there speechless. Three times right in front of us, Graciela was able to get LAN Airline to cancel tickets we had been issued. After the plane had been loaded for 10 minutes, the airline employees were trying to figure out what to do with the two of us. I had never seen anything like it. Finally, for reasons that are still unclear, the agent came to their senses and said the tickets were valid. They scanned us through and we walked onto the plane, shocked and relieved at the same time. We could not believe the drama that had just unfolded over the last two hours. We were kicked off the trip, had to get a cab without speaking the language, figure out what airport to go to. Then we were kicked off our flight three times, but we were able to negotiate to get our tickets in a domestic airport that we had never been to before. Now we were back on track, 
Walking up the aisle of the flight to Bariloche, Graciela had the most disgusted look on her face as we walked by, but we didn't acknowledge her. We minded our own business and sat down. When we landed in Bariloche, we went to get our checked bags. Graciela stood across the baggage carousel from us, fully engrossed in a telephone conversation with a very upset look on her face. We grabbed our bags and went to rent a car and find somewhere to stay. Our fellow travelers looked at us in dismay. One woman was crying and many of them said, good luck. We are so sad this is happening to you. Graciela had really put everyone in a difficult place. Our friends traveling with us were upset, but they were also worried she would retaliate against them and get them kicked off the trip. Our new friends were clearly not happy with what had transpired, but they were afraid to go against her as well. We ended up deciding to stay at a different hotel than the rest of the group, thinking it best not to rub it in that we made it to Bariloche despite Graciela's plan. We were trying to make the best of a bad situation, even though it was at great expense to us, over $800 for the hotel and car alone, not to mention the cost to come as we would travel onward. OAT had ended the conversation with me saying they were standing by their decision to cancel our flights and we were on our own to make our way through South America. When we scheduled the trip originally, we had told OAT we were planning to go to Iguazu Falls by ourselves after the official trip ended. We had already booked those flights and hotels on our own, so we planned to stay and meet back up with our friends when the tour was over in about three weeks. We spent the day making our way to our new hotel and getting situated. We let our friends know where we were staying and made the best we could of a very strange situation. Later, when we were at dinner, I received a call from Elizabeth at OAT. She told us that they had replaced Graciela with a new trip leader, and we were welcome to join up with the group in the morning. We said we would. We didn't ask how or why that decision was made. We took the high road and decided to just move on and join the group. When we met him, we were pleased. He didn't seem to harbor any preconceived ideas that we were the problem people. We made it a point not to talk about what had happened with everyone, but instead to forget about what had happened and move on. The rest of the trip was amazing. Santiago and the local guides at each place were so good. Other travelers thought it was a blessing in disguise that we had to experience what we did so the group could have a better trip leader. Santi was friendly, happy, and informative and fun. We ended up with a great outcome in spite of a bad attitude and continued efforts of Graciela to derail our trip. Thankfully, I had made improvements in the way I deal with difficult situations before we went on the trip. One thing is for sure, you should not expect all your travels to go perfectly. There will always be problems and ups and downs, but if you embrace lean thinking and continuous improvement in the way you pack plan, and improve your disposition and attitude, your travels will generate fantastic stories that you will tell over a glass of wine for years to come. Speaking of stories, did I tell you the one about the binoculars in Africa? Keep reading. The one thing, stay calm and your travels will become stories to tell over a fine glass of wine.